0: G'day and welcome back to the DAC podcast for 2020. This is episode eight. We'll be we'll be bringing you today some club news. Um, we've also got a where are they now segment with two special guests joining us. So uh, without further ado, let's uh, let's get into it again. Boris, how are you, mate?
1: Yeah, good. Nathan, thank you. Very well. And feeling um, good after our, our long run this morning. That was pretty good. Long nice run was nice good. And early at seven.
0: Fellow clubman uh, Dave Mitchell, we got out for for a nice twenty k, so that was in the rain. Good fun.
1: That's pretty good. Dave complained a bit about it being at seven, but he he was there. <laughs> he was, he was there, there earlier than us, to be fair.
0: Exactly, and it was dark, <laughs> but um, we got it <laughs> done. And um, and you're a new man. Uh, you finished your your uni studies, mate. Well done.
1: Yeah, that's right. I finished off my masters. Um, hasn't really hit me yet. I still kind of have that weight over my head of thinking. Oh, should I got to get that assignment done or a yeah, study yeah. or something? So. I can't while. wait for that to that feeling to be gone. Six yeah. and a half years at uni, so yeah, definitely kind of ingrained in me. But anyway, that'll well, be nice well, once I can
0: kind of relax a bit. As we've chatted about, you can um, you can get some runnings, get stuck back
1: in, and um, I
0: no doubt you're looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely looking forward to uh, taking that top spot in the leaderboard as well. Yeah, taking, well, knocking your name down.
0: <laughs> yeah, you probably will in the first week back. But um, <laughs> it's good to have you back,
1: and we've been at the been at the track um still as a club on tuesdays and thursdays actually too yeah yeah that's right and we just want to say with um all the extra spikes that's happening and the lockdowns that daniel andrews has imposed in victoria and everything we just really want to urge everyone to be as careful as they can be if you're if you're really not sure just go and get yourself tested make sure you're staying isolated completely uh until you get your results and just just exercise extra caution just to make sure that we all get through this in one piece yeah, we get through this uh, these peaks um, without any unnecessary collateral damage, if you will. Yeah, and I think um,
0: just keep yeah keep running, staying safe. I think look, the future in terms of when are we going to be back's been halted a little bit given the given the spike. Um, AV, I know they um, cancelled some junior races which were due to start next week. So look, yeah, yeah. in terms of senior races, we we just don't know, and I don't think they're going to be. Uh, in the foreseeable future, but we'll we'll just have to wait and see, I guess, won't we?
1: Yeah, that's right. And look, it's it's not going to stop you from doing time trials and going out and still yeah, running we can fast. Keep running. You know? Yep, for sure. Keep running, keep staying fit, and when the races come we'll be ready. Yep. That's how it is. And um and
0: also the AGM as well, an update on that. We were looking like uh, late August. I think we do have a a couple of months um, extra in terms of um, getting that um, out to uh, out to our members as well, so we'll come back to you on that in the next podcast on when we're actually going to get that date. Um, I know we 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 had to do it by September, yeah. But, um, I think asfic has given us a couple of months um, grace there, so that'll um that'll come out when it's probably a bit more suited um, to getting a few people there. Great, so,
1: great. And on the time trial talk, um, mm-hmm. a former guest of the DSC Pod has uh made a pretty big breakthrough. You want to discuss that?
0: This is this is big. Now uh episode five, six, five five or
1: six Nick
0: Finch um the man, the miler, um overnight. So this is this is straight off the press. Um the fourth of June, fourth of no sorry, fourth of July over in the States it is. They ran the World Beer Mile Championships, but it was done virtually this year. So Nick, um, over in Perth, a couple of weeks ago, took part, recorded it, and it was uploaded all last night. And uh, we're pleased to announce that he came third overall. So they showed the top six in the men's. Um, and he came away with uh, a five-minute run over the mile. So previous best was 5.20. And he's um, he's down to that illustrative five-minute mark um, with four beers. So huge effort.
1: A huge effort huge PV
0: like think about that. He, he's a, he's a touch off, um, a sub five minute, um, miler and beer miler. So And, um, yeah, I think he was pretty wrapped with that. So shout out to Nick and, and well done to him.
1: That's crazy. So he said it took about what, 35 seconds to get down four beers. I
0: think he, I think he, uh, got the first one down in six, which he always starts well. And then the others, I think were seven and then eight and then eight. So no more than eight seconds. To um, so that's
1: twenty nine seconds. So he's running. He's running what a four thirty mile.
0: Yeah. And also
1: and also drinking beers. Four yeah. beers. That's yeah. insane. Yeah.
0: So that is crazy. So I think the winner did. Don't quote me on this. I think it was four thirty eight. I think Oof. the winner won. Yeah. So, um, well, and then, yeah. And then Nick was, and Josh Harris was another Aussie. I think he came in fifth. So yeah, right. everyone virtually over the world, um, submitted their, um, races. And then yeah, the top know- six got it the just pick, got announced and then they got, well, they broadcasted the top six live last night. So, yeah. or live virtually. And, um, so yeah, uh, good work Finchie. Well done. That is crazy.
1: Um, and we also had other news. We had some athletes at the club get nominated for the Target Talent Program um, for the Elite Juniors. Yep. They are Abby Caldwell and Luke Sin, who are distance runners at the club. Owen Rice, who's throws. And Anthony Jordan and Petra Edwards, who are both horizontal jumps. So we just wanted to give a big shout out to them uh, well, well for getting their talents recognized. That
0: is great. And uh, and hopefully they can um, look. I think they're all training in COVID, but hopefully they. I think they get together as the the talent ID squad and and get some sessions and yeah, right. And um, training together. So well done to those people from the club. And um, we've got two special guests uh, on the podcast this week. We thought we'd get them both on. They've got similar stories, um, and uh, we may as well get into it. Eh? Let's do it. So these two athletes were part of the club a few years ago now um, competing at a state and national level. They've since moved states and countries to pursue new challenges and a new sport. We'll chat to them how athletics has held them in good stead, um, how life as they know it now um, and their future aspirations. These two have been, one has been the female athlete of the year in 2013. the other has also been the Russell Adams Moral Trophy for the Best Club Person of the Year. They both served on the committee and, and were an integral part um, a few years ago in competing at a, at a high level. So we welcome to the podcast, Brie Walker and Eddie Viney. Welcome, hey, guys.
2: Hey, guys. Thanks <laughs> you for going? having us.
0: <laughs> thanks for jumping in, guys. So we've got Ed, you're up in the sunny Sunshine Coast and uh, Brie, you're coming in from Germany. How's weather?
2: Yes, early morning here for me in Germany. Ah, it's not that early. It's Sunday though, so ten <laughs> forty. Ten forty.
3: Surely weather's good now cool. this time of year. Yeah, the weather be what twenty degrees?
2: Yeah. Oh, I mean it, it has been, but for some reason this weekend has been a little bit cold and rainy. So, but I'm not complaining honestly. Like if you're, from, I'm from Melbourne, and so I've been seeing people's posts of it being nine degrees <laughs> in. Sunny, twenty degrees plus. So yeah, definitely not complaining about it.
1: <laughs> What's and, uh, Brie, sorry, yeah. Brie, You're coming from how do you say it? Wiesbaden, Wiesbaden. 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 I was close. It's close. Weisbaden. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> not too bad. <laughs> yeah.
1: Are you? Yeah, it's are right you... near
2: Frankfurt, so in the middle of Germany. Oh no. Nice.
0: Is your how's your Dutch? Is it good?
2: My Deutsch. Deutsch. Not my Dutch. <laughs>
0: See, it shows how much I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wants to know how
3: good your Dutch is as well. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> They'll
3: speak Dutch, Dutch as well.
2: My, my German is that good, but my Dutch is awful. <laughs> no, uh, no I, I, can, uh, I can order myself a coffee. Yeah. I can say, yeah, Guten Morgen. You know, the basics to get you through the day. <laughs> it's, it's a tricky
0: Crucial one. stuff. Like, It's a tricky one. Me and Ed, we, uh, what was it? Two months we lived in, uh, Germany, Ed, and we sort of had a crack at it, but the thing is they'll then start talking to you in German. Then you've got no idea what they're talking about. So.
1: If you're too good at saying hello, it just sets you up for failure.
0: Yeah. It was
1: yeah, confidence. It. You went in there with mean... too much
3: confidence, I reckon. As yeah. soon as you're too confident, they start to be thinking, "Oh yeah, this guy's German." No. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: that's exactly it. And like you, and I've I've learned how to say hello and how are you very well, and then all of a sudden they'll they'll tell yeah. you all about their day, and you're like, "Oh no 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 no." no, no. <laughs> it's
0: just easy to say how are you going, and they knew they knew. Oh, okay, he's uh, he's not yep. from around here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: um so look maybe Bree you can kick us off and um obviously you're living over in Germany and um run us through run the listeners through your uh, chosen sport and what what you're up to now.
2: Yes yeah. pilot of the Australian bobsleigh team. Um mm. I've been doing that since 2016 now. I um started back in November uh, it's when I decided to transfer from 400 hurdles to boxing. Um yeah, The attempt there was to try and make the 2018 win. Um, over those next two seasons, we uh, competed in North America and also in Europe. But unfortunately, our um, uh, we didn't quite get the bid for those games. Um, it was due to quite meet some uh, um, standards that our uh, federation required us to. And so therefore they didn't nominate us for the games. Um, bit disappointing considering the AOC really wanted us to go, um, but it is what it is in sports. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but it's a matter of getting up and going again. So that's what I've done. And uh, I um, I then moved to Germany for three months after the um, Olympics and yeah, that's where I met my boyfriend and we, um, and uh, I started training with his squad over here. And that is who I'm now training with. And um, yeah, for the last, I think this season with Tim, um, and yes, learned so much about, training in terms of uh, movement, in terms of what is right for bobsleigh, I guess. But um, athletics has definitely um, helped that because my basis of my training uh, for the push start is definitely an athletic base. So, yeah, I was lucky that I came from a um, background that, I guess, gave me a bit of a head start in the um, training for bobsleigh.
0: And... What's, uh, I mean, what's your training looking like? Are you, I've, I've seen you on Instagram. You're you're out most days, either in the gym or on the track?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We train about six days a week. Sundays are our day off, so my day off today. Um, it consists of uh, weights training, so we'll do Olympic lifting and then uh, um, a lot of accessory stuff for, like, your hamstrings and core. Um, And then uh, we do a lot of plyometric stuff. I don't do a lot of jumping, but that kind of, it does fit into um, my weight sessions. We kind of combined it all. And then uh, um, on the sprint side of things, what I've kind of been focusing on over the last maybe two seasons is a lot of sled pulls. And I guess when the athletic athletes or track and field athletes think of sled pulls, they think maybe about five kilos, 10 kilos, but I'm pulling maybe 20 or 30 kilos over 30 meter distance. Um, and then sometimes even up to my body weight um, because what it does is it replicate or it forces me into the positions that I need to be when I'm pushing the sled at the start. So it's kind of like, I'm, I'm doing all the correct movements without, knee, without actually pushing the sled. Um, oh. And then other than that, we're just still doing some sprinting because you obviously want to be fast because once, once the sled starts going downhill, you need to be able to continue it moving forward because I guess the only motor in the sled is us. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's... Um, that's pretty much the basis of my training. i probably missed a few things here and there. I guess push training when we have the facilities in Australia, I don't really have the facilities. So being in Germany, I actually have the facilities um, to go and push on an actual push track. Um, And I guess if you follow along on my Instagram, you might see occasionally me pushing um, at one of those push tracks. And I must say that's my favorite part of training for the sport is the push training. That's, it's the best
3: fun. Can I ask yeah. a question? Am I, allowed, am I allowed to ask questions as well? You, <laughs> yes, you are. You can. Ed.
2: <laughs> what about, what, Go about for it, Ed.
3: what about steering? Do you do much to do with uh, like actually like the actual driving of the sled? I'm sure like the tracks were different. Like, you got power you...
0: steering or
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's cruise control? No, um, the only time that we can really do that is uh, during the winter. So actually in the summer, what I'm doing more so is um, hand-eye coordination skills. So I practiced a lot of, um, actually with my new coach now, we're getting more into it is, um, I I guess, mental training and mind training. So what we're trying to do is replicate or when you're driving down the track, you're using different parts of your brain, obviously. Um, And you can actually also do that. Um, without driving down the track, so through um, visualisation and all those kind of yeah. things. Um, and you can also practice, train your eyes, so, like, get your eyes to move quicker um, and, I guess, hand-eye coordination stuff, so a stimulus will come at you and you have to react to it very quickly. So that's the only kind of um, driving training that I can do in the summer and then when it, um, when it comes to winter, though, you obviously are trying to get down the track as much as you can so you can practice um, the driving skills. Because, yeah, like you said, all the tracks are different mm. and, they all, each, and each corner requires different skills. So, oh. um, yeah, you obviously yeah, just have to try and do the best you can in the winter.
1: Do you... Do So I'm gonna reference cool runnings because that's like my knowledge base. I was about to do that, Boris. Yeah, are you are you sitting in the tub as well, like they were the the and then like practicing on side to side like that? Is that sort of each turn? Yeah. Track going through the turn, the photos, Uh, that sort of stuff.
2: Can't say I've sat in the tub to train for it. um, As much as I love that field, there's a lot of misconceptions in the. Sure there is. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's um. And uh, we don't do anything like that. But I will sometimes like uh, during the season we'll sit in the um we'll sit in the, the sled and I will visualize growing down the track. But that's I guess that's maybe a glorified bathtub. <laughs> um, and that's the closest I get to being sitting in the bathtub.
0: <laughs> and um Ed, maybe we'll we'll jump back between you guys, but um Ed, run us through where are you up to, mate? Up north.
3: Yeah, mate. Um, up in up in Brizzy now. Um, yep. Transitioned from track and field to triathlon. Yeah. Um, that all came to fruition in maybe two thousand eighteen, straight after the Com Games. Yeah. Kind of wanted a new hobby and um, wasn't looking for anything competitive. Just wanted something social, so something that would just keep the mind active. And yeah, just joined a club. This was in Sydney still, and joined a club and.
0: So you went from uh, Mel- you went Melbourne to Sydney first, didn't you? That was your first. that's right. Melbourne yep. to Sydney for, for the track, and then
3: yeah, I was I mean I was enjoying Sydney
0: and um,
3: moved for work as well. So that kind of all fell into yeah. place nicely. Um, and then yeah, as soon as athletics started coming to an end, I just needed something to fill the gap. So, Python yeah. was always on the radar. I think as as kids we always kind of spoke about it, and I thought, all right, well yeah. let's just have a crack at it and see what happens. And I don't know, mate. As soon as I did my first race, I got bitten again. And I was like, nah, I got I to gotta give it 110%. So yeah. from then on, it was, yeah, all guns. All guns uh, to training and getting, getting some good, good groups together. Um, yeah. Trained really well with some guys in Sydney. And then I think the natural progression was to come up to Brizzy and uh, join my new squad up here. And you've only, how long have you been up in Brizzy now? Mate, literally just before this whole virus thing here, eh? So it'd be about... Oh, right. Four months or something, so Gee, okay. still pretty fresh, and yeah, just haven't been able to do too much up in Queensland just yet. Just keeping yeah. everything pretty local. So,
0: and um, obviously, you were a swim teacher for those that don't know. So you you're good in the water, I suppose. Yeah. where well, you can teach whether you can, <laughs> you can swim, but <laughs> you're doing that. You're obviously a gun runner. Um, how are you on the bike?
3: Well, mate, we used to we used to be riding together.
0: And yes, then, so really? everything's
3: every, everything social, you know, nothing. I remember crazy.
0: one one time he got stuck in some tram tracks over near Baronia. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. I oh, this.
3: Yeah, we, I mean, we're not going <laughs> to say he was a good cyclist. It got from point A to point B. but might have yeah. stuck it a few times, but <laughs> yeah, uh, strong. Le- a big learning curve, mate, for, yeah. for cycling. It has. It's been, it's been a tough little journey to to learn the ropes, but um, ah, oh, we're slowly getting there. It's um, it's been, a, and that's what I'm enjoying about the sport is um so much so much growth there's so much Mm -hmm. development you know there's so many things you can work on and um i just love i think that's what i kind of got tired with athletics about you're always searching for like a a millisecond here and there Mm -hmm. and you spend all season just to improve just half a second you know whereas i find in the triathlon it's like um a lot more rewarding there's a lot more gain in certain areas you know you can spend a little bit more time in the pool and you can you can get a lot a lot of gain from it and same with yeah. the bike you know so yeah that's that's what i'm loving about it you know there's a lot more to, to
0: to gain so was there this is probably a question for both of you was there a point in athletics that you thought no i've re- I've really had enough of it and you just needed a a change i mean look athletics as we all know is a, it's a tough sport it's um a lot of hours goes into it and as you said ed you you know you can do race after race and not quite get to where you're should be in training, but, um, racing is a tough thing. So yeah. What, what sort of made, what was the, um, the moment that you made the decision for,
3: for me personally, I kind of just made a pack of myself and said, well, we'll have a, we'll have a crack at the common games and see if we can qualify for that. And, yep. um, I didn't want to die not knowing, you know, so we, we, we went over to the States and we had a crack at some races over there. We did a lot of training camps. Um, and I think at the end, um, I got a stressy in my foot just before the trials. And I thought, you know, I've done everything I possibly can. Mm. Um, I'm pretty happy with where I am at the moment. And yeah, we're not going to get what we, the, the, the end goal was. But um, I can honestly say that, yeah, I had a crack. So mm. I was pretty content with saying, well, you know, I'm going to try something new now. I'm, I'm happy. And yeah, say so 2008 was always the, the the finish line, I guess. And yeah, that's why I thought after that, let's try and find something new. Yeah. What about
0: you, bro? Uh,
2: I guess the moment for me was um it was kind of the years after I came back from college in the States. Um, I tried to get back into four hundred hurdles. I had moved to training with Peter Fortune. Yeah. Um out at Wolfpack in Olympic Park. And uh things were going well. Sorry, hang on a the- second.
0: You're all
2: I think you're back. Yeah, I keep losing, reception, uh, losing connection, sorry about that, yeah. It. And um, it was 2016 when uh, the Rio Olympics were um, on and I was watching uh, uh, Kim Brennan win the um, Skulls event there. She won gold there and um, they were talking about her career and she had come from 400 hurdles. And, um, I had transitioned over to rowing and I was like, oh, maybe I could do that. Maybe that's something mm-hmm. that, um, I could do with another sport. And Fort had kind of hinted a few times, Bree, maybe you were suited to a different sport, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ah, nah, I like 400 hurdles. I'm pretty happy with, um, how, like, I, I like how I have been competitive in the past. So yeah, I just wanted to keep going there, but. I then had to ask myself the question like, was I going to make an Australian team? Because that Mm. was my ultimate goal, was to make an Australian team to represent Australia. And I looked at how, like where I was at at that time and the answer was no. And uh, um, I said, maybe I could keep going, but I could ultimately just be banging my head against the wall. And so then, yeah, that's when I decided to kind of make the transition and Mm. I had a few sports in mind. My dad's a big rugby fan. So I was like, maybe I'll go do rugby. And then women's AFL had kind of started it up and I was like, oh, maybe I could go do AFL, but I had actually injured my knee um, uh, back in 2010 playing school footy. And I was like, uh, I don't know if my body could ha- handle that. I mean, like as track and field athletes, you're only running left, like
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> start moving left and right. Um, with AFL and yeah, you, you never know um, if your body can hack it. So yeah, I, then that night, actually, I was watching Eddie the Eagle on the TV and um, he goes to a camp in Germany. And I was like, oh, maybe there could be a camp for bobsleigh. And so I actually just Googled it. And um, there was uh, a, a very, very average website that came up for the Australian Bobsleigh Federation. and. They were, highly, um, they were holding a talent identification camp in Sydney in a month's time. And so, yeah, that's kind of what happened. I, I yeah. went to training that afternoon, uh, the next day, and I told Ford, I think I want to do this. And he goes, well, we're going to have to stop running one minute <laughs> rep, like one K reps. And we're going to switch you over to sprinting. And so, yeah, that's... Um, that's kind of what happened. I switched over and went to the camp, and the rest is history.
1: That's what they say. <laughs> yeah,
2: you yeah. would have done pretty well <laughs> in
1: rugby. Sprinters usually do uh, pretty well in rugby, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, I played touch footy at school, and I really love touch footy. I love like dodging and um, getting like making a break through yeah. um, the other team, and yeah, it would have it would have been really good. Um, and I'm sure my dad, he would be <laughs> listening to this thing. Like I wish he did right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I've just I think say was the best decision for me. I think my my body was dying to put on weight, gain muscle, you know, be heavier. I was trying to keep myself so lean for yeah. 400 hurdles, and I think I was just kind of like like a, I don't know pushing pushing my body the wrong way.
1: Yeah,
2: so um, yeah. I'm happy with the decision.
1: Well, on that, how do you think um, like that athletics background has sort of helped you or put you in good stead in, in your new sport? That's this goes to both of you as well.
2: Mm. Uh, for me, it's helped me physically. Yeah, it's very like I said before, my training is um, very much athletics based. Yeah. Um, it's just over a shorter distance. So I guess kind of the drills and the skills that you learn from running. Um, I've just adapted it to a new sport. But and I think that, more mentally the, sorry, it but has what's the distance?
1: Me. What's the distance that you sprint for Bob said now? What's I mean average distance?
2: start average start um, track is about fifty meters, but as a pilot I only run maximum thirty of that.
1: Right, wow. so and it's really different. Yeah. <laughs> really, yeah, it really, it really very different. different.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, and especially because I was a 400 runner, right? So I, yeah. I yeah. never had to... My start was never my priority, really. Like, I, I needed my start. My start was important for um, making my steps to the first yeah. hurdle. Yeah, But yeah. that was about it.
0: You weren't even round the bend with 30 metres, bro. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, not really, no. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, yeah, but I, I think more so like 400 metres and 400 hurdles is such a mentally um, challenging event. And I think that's what's kind of helped me the most because as even though Slay is such, like I'm training for such a short event, we do do some crazy training sessions where I'm pulling like my, and pushing like my body weight and the lactic, that mm, that
1: yeah. like it
2: comes yeah. into play there especially because my body has changed my energy systems have changed so much um i i like know know how to push through that pain but that's because of 400 hurdles that's because of all the lactic sessions that we did um training for that and that's and even on the days during the winter where you you can't really be bothered, or like your yeah. brain is so tired. <laughs> yeah. know how to, I know how to push through because I guess of 400 hurdles and all the training I did um, as the track and field athlete.
1: Yeah, nice. What about you, Eddie? The training would have changed quite a bit jumping up into the triathlon. Yeah, yeah, man.
3: Um, just following on from Bream 100% the mental aspect. Um, athletics is such a. Obviously, a physically demanding sport, but I find it to be very—you got to be mentally strong. Um, it's a, it's, it's such a tough sport to be um, to train for because uh, you're playing for half a second, you and you're not doing yeah. it for money, you're not doing yeah. it for any kind of recognition. You, yeah. You're really just doing it for yourself, you know. So yeah, yeah. And, and whatever you put in is what you're going to get out, you know. So it's yeah. it's in that sense um, so mental, and I think that's the same thing with triathlon um, you can't hide at the start line and go, I hope, I hope I can sit in here and have a good day out. You know, if you, if you mm. haven't done the work, you're going to, you're going to pay the price. So yeah, I think athletics is, uh definitely made us like hard workers made us uh, appreciate hard work and, and, and not be complacent and think, oh yeah, I'm going to get through this easily. You know, it's, it's definitely, uh, um, something that's going to, uh, benefit someone that's worked hard, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, and how has your training changed coming? So maybe when you ran the three forty one seventeen fifteen in Portland, you reckon that was sort of your peak training? Yeah, around um, there. If you think yeah. like if you take that sort of training, how is it compared to the training that you're doing now? Just in terms of like a week, if you if you give like yeah, a quick run yeah, of uh, a I, I guess
3: it's pretty um, hard. But
1: <laughs> when I was running when I was running fifteen hundred, it was really just
3: we we were a very high mileage group so right um we were averaging maybe 130 140k weeks um right. so yeah very high mileage um a few days in the gym which was good um but i think now it's it's all about cross training so the recovery between events is or between disciplines is it kind of it complements each other so yeah. while i'm training a lot more um i guess doing close to 30 hours a week of training now Jeez. um uh. it's it's it does allow you to kind of recover between disciplines. So um, yeah, I I mean, I don't see it as uh, when I was, when I, when I ran that time in Portland, I I guess you were waking up some mornings and feeling pretty crook and going, Oh, my legs are pretty cooked today.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to get through
3: today's session. Um, Whereas like now it's, I've just come back from a swim and a, and a cycle and I haven't done the, I haven't done a run for maybe one and a half days and I'm pretty yeah. fresh still, you know? So right. yeah, it does, it does really compliment. And that's something I kind of wish I did more of as a runner, um, a lot more cross yeah. training. Um, I kind of wish I did a lot more swimming, at the time thinking oh yeah this is not going to benefit me but yeah and i think in reality it's going to benefit you with uh i don't know with your breathing with your efficiency with uh over the multitude of things so i think yeah, yeah. kind of hindsight's a good thing to look back and go well maybe i should have implemented something that's going to benefit me without having to try and do three runs in a day and try and get as many cases i can
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and three for you as well if you consider like your peak sort of track and field training maybe when you were in the um in the states to sort of the training doing now is it varied much or I imagine you would have been in the gym quite a bit back in the states
2: uh yes yes that's that's kind of I guess where my love for the gym came in um I hadn't really done much gym work when I before I went to America um Tommy had kind of talked about it a little bit saying maybe you should start doing this and I I was naturally girl and so i was kind of like no i don't want to get more muscly um which is a big misconception that as a personal trainer i had to battle talking to so many clients about yeah but um when i went over to the states their philosophy is throw athletes in the gym and i warned my coach i said if i go into the gym and start lifting heavy i'm going to put on weight And he was like, no, no, with my training, you're not going to do that. And I was like, okay, like just warning you, I know my body, I know my body type. like this is what's going to happen. And it's exactly what happened. I ended up putting like (laughs) three kilos of of body weight and my coach then was at me being like, what are you eating? Being like, you know, a freshman and the typical freshman 10 that like athletes often put on. And uh, or is it freshman fifteen? I don't know. But they were like, um, (laughs) they were like, what are you eating? What are you doing? I'm like, I'm eating clean. Like there is nothing wrong with my eating. I'm just putting on weight from this training. And they were like, no, 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 you're not doing that. And anyways, they, we were, we were. It was a bit of a hard time for me because I was also kind of mourning the loss of Tom. And then uh, trying to, like, make this big transition over to the States. So I was in this big, like, conflict with my coach over there, like, just trying to get him to understand me as an athlete. Yeah. Um, and, but I did find a big love for lifting. Like, it was, it was something that I became naturally quite good at. And uh, I guess it didn't really help me for 400 hurdles, but it did lead me on to, I guess, my job when i came home as a personal trainer helping people get fit and healthy and then also of course bobsleigh because um that's where i guess that is my strength my strength is my strength and um i have become quite a powerful pusher because of that so i i gotta say like it it has helped me now be successful but yeah 400 hurdles eh, not so much
1: (laughs) is weight much of a consideration in uh in bobsled at all like is that something that is yes discussed as much as as like in athletics?
2: Yes, yeah, and it could be a good or a bad thing. I'm lucky that I'm quite small for a bobsledder, um, and which was never a case in <laughs> when I was a 400 hurdler. I was always quite a bigger athlete, and so it's kind of nice to be considered a bit small. Um, but <laughs> it, you have a weight limit with like uh, a sled and the athletes. And you obviously need to be under that max weight limit. Um, And so I'm lucky that I can fluctuate maybe one or two kilos. And with my team that I have right now, we're we're still quite under weight limit. But there has been times that I've had heavier sleds. And therefore, then uh, (laughs) we have struggled to be under that weight limit. And, you know, you develop, like, some athletes develop sports where they're, like, trying to diet or cut weight just before a race and yeah it's it's really un it's yeah it's really unfair um for those bigger girls who are taller like they're it's, it's, they're heavier simply because they're taller like these girls yeah. are massive they're muscly they're super lean but they're so tall and uh, um they've just struggled purely uh, um to get like struggled to get under that weight limit and yeah, you, you hear some stories and you just like, oh, that's so unhealthy. But I guess I'm very lucky that I've got a team that we don't really need to worry about it. We just kind of maintain it um, and check on our weight regularly. And, yeah, we're, we're all good. Nice.
0: Back, yeah. um, back briefly, Ed, to, to how you fit 30 hours in. So, obviously, you do work as well. You're holding down a job. Somehow. Yeah, mate. Don't don't sleep, eh? Sleep <laughs> when you're dead. Well,
1: that's
0: right. <laughs> how are you fitting it in? And I like, I mean, so going from running now, doing another two disciplines. Um, how many runs are you doing a week?
3: Um, I'm doing about a seventy-five to eighty k's a week running. Um, and that's two sessions plus a long run, and then we do some run off the bikes. But um, yeah, sw- swim squads are at 5am, so I normally get my swim done uh, bright and early. Um, so it's great, it's great actually, because I can get to the office and feel like wide right awake, ready to go. Um yeah. And and I and I work in a um a really supportive environment. Uh, my my boss and my team are very supportive of my athletics pursuits, so yeah. they encourage me to to do these things, to go around training camps, to take. I, I mean, I used to do. Some runs during lunchtime, which they were, which they were happy with. Um, some days I leave early to do some some training. So, yeah, it, it, cycling is a big one, and um, I find that to be the best the best way to get the cycling in is is on the virtual trainer. Just because yeah. I get yeah, home yeah. and it's so dark, and um, I just I just jump on the trainer, and um, I can punch out a good two hours and get a lot of benefit out of that rather than having to spend four hours riding the the bike. bike. Yeah. Yeah. So there is ways around it, mate. I think, um, you can make it work. You just got to try and be organized. I think plan your week ahead and, and make sure you can squeeze it all in,
0: you know? But how do you, what else do you do? You mustn't do anything else. Train work. You obviously. Well, uh, have...
3: Man, the one the, the one question I get is when when do you socialise? And I'm I'm yeah. like I'm I'm, social, I'm socialising 30 hours a week. Uh, yeah. You know. Uh, it, you can't it,
0: talk you... while you're in the pool though, Ed.
3: Oh man, I, I run my mouth at each lap. You know, at each lap I throw a few <laughs> words and then I dive back in again. <laughs> No, you know what it's like. You uh, as a tra- yeah. as, as training partners, you have a good relationship with the group, and um, yeah. you can spend four hours on the bike just having a good gas bag.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, and then same with the running. You know, you just you talk in rubbish for a long run. So, and you grab a coffee afterwards, and yeah, you've done yeah. a lot of socialising. So yeah, uh, there's not a lot of time. I don't. I don't mm. I'm not sitting there watching my kitchen rules or whatever. Or- <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh. Um, yeah, so look, you do a, both of you do a massive um, amount of training, and um, so you're working through. Bree, what are you up to? I mean, you've got training, are you, are you working as well, or are you um, what are you up to?
2: No, no, I've been lucky enough over the last year, I guess through my success with Bobsleigh, that I've received a bit of funding um, yeah, from various entities, and so now I'm kind of just living off that very no. slimly. Um, my boyfriend is also very supportive of me. He's a German bobsledder and so he's well supported by them. And, um, in combination, we work together to support our living. Um, and so, yeah, this year, this year though, is my first year that I've done that last few years to support my bobsleigh. Um, when I didn't have funding, I was working like two jobs plus studying, plus mm. training. And that was, that was a really heavy load. Um, but I guess kind of like I would work so hard so I could go away from October to March each year and I guess live my dream life. So it was all worth it.
0: It's, it's, um, and, and on that, all the hard work you've put in, you've, you've had some pretty good achievements over the last couple of years. Run us through that. Uh,
2: yeah, I guess... Um, I guess maybe after the uh, disappointment of not going to the 2018 Olympics, um, they introduced a new Olympic sport of monobob, which is a one-person bobsleigh. Um, That's usually used as a training tool, but the women really wanted a second event at the Mm. Olympics. So um, they added that in for the women. And um, yeah, I went on to win the first, two ever Monobob races in Lilyhammer, um, oh, wow. which I guess has kind of started my success in that sport. Um, it's really hard for Australia because we don't have as much funding as some of the equipment plays a big factor into that. Um, and so I guess that's why we haven't had so much success in the two-man event. But Monobob, um, all the equipment is um, uh, it's all the same. Uh, we have all the same sleds. We have all the same runners. So really, you're just—it's just the athlete. That is, and that's what. Um, so you're you're pushing by yourself at the start and jumping in and driving. And so I guess Australia has been able to now be a. Um, disadvantages haven't been a factor. Um, and there's a lot of small nations that have come up and been successful in that because we haven't had that disadvantage of not having the best equipment, I guess, like the Germans, the Americans, the Canadians, the Russians, you know? Um, so, yeah, I've got on to win five gold medals in Monobob, one oh, silver. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, we've had a few little successes in the two men. Uh, last year we stepped up. Um, to World Cup which is first time like of uh, doing a few world Cup races which is which is really exciting because I guess that's where I know you get on TV and um, my family can see me race at home so for me that was what was most exciting because my family doesn't come over and watch me race all the time so yeah. that was really exciting for to be able to share that with them and we competed at world champs and uh, we came away with a 14th, which was really unexpected. I think there was like uh, 18 or 20 sleds in there. So to come away with a 14th, which was, um, which was really exciting for us. So we're making some big changes this year
1: and yeah.
2: uh, we're stepping things up in the two men, I guess that will be kind of revealed as the season comes closer. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm I'm really excited for both the two-man and the monobob this year. And we'll see. I guess we'll have to wait and see how we go.
0: Yeah, right. When does the season, when do you, uh, with COVID, it's, is it on hold for the minute? Mm. What's the, yeah.
2: Well, currently here in Europe, they're not doing too bad. I guess there has been a few, um, uh, I don't know, rises in cases over the last few weeks, I guess, maybe with all... Um, the um, protests that have been happening, um, but currently the season is progressing as normal. So we're set to start sliding in October, start yeah. racing in November. Um, but what, they're just, what the question is is whether, I guess, North America will happen. The sport is majority based in Europe, yeah. um, but World Chance is actually meant to be in Lake Placid in um, America next year and that has got a big question mark over its head so mm. wh- for me i'm just progressing like normal and training is normal organizing everything is normal but yeah everyone you just it changes week to week so you just yep. have to wait you and see. keep up yeah that's right mm.
1: yeah,
2: exactly.
0: and uh and ed um maybe run through the listeners about triathlon a little bit more about the different types of triathlon. You've got sprint distance, then you've got Ironman. Where do you sit in all that?
3: Um, yeah, mate, there's, there's different entities. So yeah. um, ITU is probably the main the main body. You're probably your I, RAAF comparison. Yeah. Um, and they run everything from sh- sprint. Uh, so um, a sprint, a standard, and then a, a long course, um, but then there's Ironman, there's challenge who are separate entities that kind of run their own competitions. So they offer standard distances, long course distances, and, um, and then their own respective world championships as well. And I guess Ironman has grown so big in the years that that's kind of the main race that everyone wants to do. So while there's an ITU long course that yeah, is, is a world championship, um, Ironman normally brings, uh, all the players, I guess, cause that's it's got the most money in it, mm. um, Yeah. So where I kind of fit is, um, it's a tough one, actually. (laughs) I I mean, at the moment it's a tough one because there's the races are so slim and far between. So it's hard to pick which ones you kind of want to focus on. I guess, um, where I'm sitting at the moment is on, on the fence between a a, a standard Olympic distance event. Um, and then also some of the long course, um, distances as well. Um, but
1: so then... Ed, for the uninitiated, could you give us those distances? What the uh, what the actual distances are.
3: Okay. Oh, well, I'll start at the top. Ironman is, is a, a marathon running a one eighty K bike ride uh, and then a bloody long swim. <laughs> uh, so
1: we weren't, we weren't going to be, uh, it, it's so
3: the, 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 the distances are, you can get a 10% differential on the distances. Um, right. So yeah. Um. This, and that's standard
1: it, distance and then long course is longer or that's long course. So, right? so
3: that, that's the long, that's long course right, Iron, right. Ironman distance. Right, um, right. A half Ironman is probably, is is half of that. Um, yeah. And then you go into your standard, which is a ten k run, a forty k bike, and a one point five swim, yeah. and then a uh, sprint is just half of that again. Um, right. So, I mean, I, I find this the sprints are generally a, a draft legal race as well uh, in in the professional environment. Um, so, the different events kind of bring out your, your, your strengths, I guess. So if you're a really strong swimmer, um, in the sprint, it kind of suits you because then you can kind of be in a nice little group and you jump on the bike, you're all together and it comes a running race. Whereas in the long course events, um, the swims not a massive factor. It's all non-drafting. So you kind of got to do it all by yourself. Um, and that's where it, probably your bike and your, and your running becomes more of a, um, a strength. So, yeah, again, every race is different. Every race has different environments, whether it be a lake swim or an ocean swim, and there might be hills on the, on the bike. And yeah, it's a very open sport. And I guess that's why you can't really put a time on it and say, well, this is how fast I can do an Ironman because mm. it's it's irrelevant, you know? Every race
0: is different, so. And you've yeah. got, I mean, you can't, how far is Noosa Triathlon? So you got in 2019, you got 19th there.
3: Yeah, so Noosa was my um, my first... Uh, professional race, okay. um, bit of a eye opener it, of the, the, just the next level of athlete. I mean, it had probably the cream of the crop of Australian triathletes and yeah. um, Olympic bronze medalist from, um, from South Africa came and came and raced. And yeah. that, that, that's a standard nice. that's a standard distance race, so that had a a ten k finish at the end. Yeah. Um. But awesome race. It's a probably one of the biggest triathlons in the world. Um, it has the biggest numbers in terms of participation. So an awesome event. If you ever get a chance to go down and watch or have a, have a compete. Um, yeah. there's, a, there's the 5k bolt. I'm sure um, some of the listeners would have, would have been yeah. participated in as well. So, yeah.
0: And with, and with what, professional, um, you said you, that was your first race. Did before that, do you compete in your age group and then you then get into professional? How does it work?
3: Yeah. So when you, when you first start triathlon, it's you're in the amateurs, um, yep. your age, your age group is, Um, yeah, so it, it, I think it's every five years. I might be wrong with that, but I think every five years, there's a different age bracket. Um, and then generally, uh, there's an open event as well, which you can compete in, but generally that's just, uh, you compete as the age group. You don't get to compete against the, um, the professionals on the circuit. Um, once you, um, get a certain ranking in the amateurs and you get a um, certain percentage of the overall time. Um, you're then eligible for, um, your pro license. So I think I was the top aged, a top ranked age grouper. And I finished within a certain percentage of the professional's time. And then that made me eligible for my pro license.
0: Right, And you have that in what races or is that it going forward now?
3: Um, so you generally get that, and you can compete in sprint or the long, sorry, the um, the short course and the long course events. Um, and I think every year you've just got to show your capability to 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 renew that license again. So,
1: yeah, right. With to put it into perspective, just for the listeners, how, how it, at Noosa, how fast was that ten k run, roughly by like sort of the top end of the field, maybe.
3: Yeah. So uh, Jake Burtwistle, he's a uh, an ex runner himself. And yep. now he's, uh, one of the, probably the gold medal favorites for, for the Olympics. Right. Um, and he did that in 30 minutes. So the guys aren't, they're not slow. They are yeah. definitely going. They're definitely going for it. <laughs> and I, and with this whole COVID thing as well, since there's no races, I just see time trials being done left, right and center. And I'm seeing guys dropping 28s, you know, so yeah. it just shows that they're, right. they're, they're not, they're not, they're not hacks at running. They can definitely right. run, you know, so they're strong across the board. Yeah.
1: Crazy. It's insane.
0: And um that's sort of that's that's a good recap in, in where you're at now. I guess maybe let's take it back to how it all started for you and how you how you got into athletics. Brie, how did it all start?
2: <laughs> I mean it's heading back a few years now. We're but um back. yeah no we're going we're going way back. But uh it started it started back um when my best friend's dad actually invited me to a, a bring a friend day down at Lil Athletics in Lydarria Ranges and um I decided to go along and uh, I actually I really loved it I I just remember loving it and that, and then for a few years and then I actually I think it was around. I think it's under nines where under nines or tens where it starts to get quite competitive, and the athletes go to regionals and all that. Um, And I actually didn't like how competitive it was, (laughs) so I I was like, no, I'm uh, I'm quitting. I don't really want to do this anymore. And I was so. I I just kept on going with my horse riding and everything. And then once I got to high school, I started up again because a lot of my friends who I remembered from back at Little Apps, they went to high school with me and they asked me to come back. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come back. Um, And then uh, I moved to Croydon Senior Athletics and they had just kind of like started their club. So I was um, one of the founding members there. And um, over those few years, I didn't... I started to not really enjoy athletics as much, There was, I had a few issues with my coach, I wasn't really feeling it as much, and um, yeah, so again, I decided to, uh, um, and it wasn't until a PE teacher, um, heard, I think he heard me say that I'd stopped athletics, or he read it somewhere, I'm not too sure, Um, And he pulled me back up to class and he did athletics at Ringwood himself and he's like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you quitting? And I was like, I don't know. I just don't really like it anymore. (laughs) And so um, long story short, I ended up at Doncaster um, through asking a few people where I should go, what I should do. Um, And yeah, that's where I went down one Sunday morning and um, I guess started being coached by Tommy.
0: And that was, when when was that, do you think?
2: Uh, That was, uh, I remember it. It was my 17th birthday, actually. It was 2009. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it was a Sunday morning in 2009 and went down. And I told Tom, I was like, he asked me what events I did. And I was like, "Um, I'm a 400 runner and a 100-meter hurdler. And he goes, ah, so you're a 400 hurdler. <laughs> no, like, no, 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 no. I'm a 400 rudder and a 100 meter hurdler. No yeah. way that I'm combining the two. And he goes, Oh, we'll see about that. Um, and I right. mean, it took a few years. Yeah, I mean, it took him a few years. It took me. In, it took him into 2013 to convince me to do one uh, 400 hurdle race to help improve my 400s. <laughs> um, he said, That's how he, he was, put it. Either, yeah, well, he's like, it's either an 800 Bree. Or it's a 400-meter um, a hurdle. And I was like, uh, let's go 400. Yeah. I'm, I'm not about this two-lap life. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, then that's I did one. And I don't know, from then on, we were like, all right, let's give this a crack. And that was actually in January 2013. I did an yeah. event. And then that was the year. That I went on to win state in the 400 hurdles. So within a few months, I yeah. went on to win state, and then within that year, I went on to get my scholarship in America. And yeah, that was that, that was, was, it was a good the year. Beginning of my yeah yeah, it was a good year.
0: So in that year, you were the um, the DAC John Mahoney Female Athlete of the Year. So it all probably came to yeah. fruition there. And um, sixty yeah. point twenty one. So not quite yeah. under sixty, but that that's pretty quick over hurdles.
2: Uh, I mean, not quite under sixty it still gets to me. That was one thing that I had to decide: do I want to give up uh, four hundred <laughs> hurdles without cracking the sixty mark? But um, yeah, it was. It's still something that gets to me. But yeah, it was. It, I guess I um, I guess it's probably for the best now that I've moved on from from that. I don't take it to heart too much. <laughs>
0: There's always time. There's always time. Uh,
2: maybe. <laughs> um,
0: and, then, and then just briefly, you, you shot to um, the States, to the University of Arkansas. Um, how did that come about?
2: Yeah. Um, huh, that was actually time when you and Ed were overseas with Tommy in, England, um, in uh, Europe. You yep. guys were over there competing. So I was training that whole winter by myself. And that was one of the most, the mentally toughest winters I've ever had. I'm pretty sure it rained every single time that I needed to go to the train. (laughs) Like, and there was this one day that I was like, I'm not going to training. I go, nah, Tommy doesn't know. I like, who's going to, I was driving by then. I was like, I I, I don't know. I could just, he was
0: checking in though. He was, he was wondering. (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah, no, no, he, he did check in occasionally. And so I, I was like, nah, I'm just not going to go. If Tom asks, like, I'll just, nah, I'll just lie. I, I couldn't lie to Tom. It was always very difficult. But I, <laughs> I was like, nah, I'm not going. But the, uh, the guilt got to me and I was like, fine, I'll go. I'll go <clears throat> to training. I'll just grind it out. The time during the session, I was a freaking whinge. I, I whinged to myself the whole time being like, oh, this is awful. And back I'd go. And there was this guy running around the track at the time. And I didn't know him, uh, but I recognised his face. And uh, I was running and every every at the end of every rep, I was on the track, on the ground, dying. And I dragged again and r- run around again. And at the end of the session, I was just dying on the ground. I was happy with myself. Like, you're mm. always happy after you get through a mentally tough session. Um, but I didn't want to talk to anybody. And then this guy comes up to me and he starts talking. He goes, that was like a pretty rough session. And I was just like please don't talk to me. And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was okay. And he goes, you're Brie Walker, aren't you? And I was like, uh, yes. And he goes, I'm Nate Carr. And I was like, oh, the great I know man. you. I know. And I was like, I know of you, yeah. And he goes, yeah, I've just come home from America. Um, it's summer break there now, so I've just come home to see his family. And he goes, have you ever considered uh, going over to the States? And at that time, I was actually hardcore searching for um, colleges in America of where I could go to over there. But um, these were like D1 colleges, like the best of the best. And I knew they didn't give full scholarships. And I, I explained that to him. And I said, yeah, I've considered it, but I know they don't give full scholarships. Da, da, da. And he said, oh, let me talk to, um, I'm actually a recruiter for a college that I work for over in the States. So let me talk to our coach and I'll get back to you. Anyways, I sent him off my sport resume and I didn't hear back from him. I was like, ah, this guy. And I went home and I told I told my best friend Felicity Black and my, my parents and my mm. dad was convinced that he was trying to hit on me. He's like, <laughs> just try to get your number green. Don't pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. I think and he's I
0: married like, now, Mom. I think, mate.
2: <laughs> he is he? I didn't know that. But, Maybe um, he's not,
0: but I'm not sure.
2: I, I was just like, I was like, no, I think he was serious, but I don't know. Anyways, I didn't hear from him, and so I was like, oh, my God. Okay, Dad was right, whatever. And then randomly one uh, one day, I just got a, a very short email from um, my coach in the States being like, Bree, we'd like to offer you a full scholarship to the University of Arkansas in Little Rock uh, for 400-meter hurdles. And, yeah, Gee, that was it.
0: You're on the plane.
2: Yeah, that was August, uh, early August, I think, and then I was on the plane Christmas Day um, that year.
0: Jeez. Yep, crazy. And you were there for about a year. You were saying before.
2: Yeah, yeah, I was there for just one year. I um, I I went over like a freshman sophomore year. Yep. Um, and it was it was a really great time for me mentally. I grew up a lot, um, but as as an athlete, I kind of went the opposite direction there. I, um, I, I think there was a lot of factors that played into it. Um, Like I said before, Tommy was passed away and I was kind of battling um, my own challenges there. And also I was riddled with injury, like just constantly Mm -hmm. injured. Um, And I think it was kind of a lot of the time it was um, bad habits that I'd kind of fallen into, like trying to keep, really lean um and trying to i guess lose the weight that i was putting on through that weightlifting, um and yeah your body just doesn't like it and and you can tell like if you are constantly injured and um you've got to kind of ask yourself what am i doing that other than training um that is causing these injuries um and yeah, I guess for me, I realised there was a lot of things that weren't lining up, and so I thought, "Yep, the year, I'm I'm good with the year here, and I'm going to head home and see if I mm. can continue this journey at home."
0: And then that's that's when you you changed sports, really, didn't you?
2: Well, yeah, um, I, I I tried to get back into. Uh, training back here but it was obviously hard to find a coach and then eventually I found Peter Fortune mm. um, and it was great I had a, a really like that that squad is legit um,
0: we had Abby of, we had Abby of, on the other week and she yeah yeah. Raves highly.
2: yeah yeah she was one of my training partners there that's actually why I started listening to the podcast because I saw Abby was on
1: well, there you go um, yeah, like, and she's look at that
2: yeah, yeah, nah, she's, she's a beautiful um, person, so I was like, I've got to give it a listen, so yeah. Um, and that was such a good environment, such a good crew, but I had a lot of work to do. I had a lot, mm. a lot of work to make up for the lost time, and I guess, yeah, it was um, it was really hard. Fort was like, alright, you have to stop gym, and I had fell in love with the gym, and I was like, <laughs> alright, fine. And mm. he's like, then you have to do one minute, one K uh, 1K reps, and I hate hate running long distance I always have I was always a sprint 400 runner and to make me do long distances was like pulling teeth and so um he he was getting me to do that to try and I guess lose some weight and everything and boy it was rough I I I really struggled there for a bit but he was such a supportive coach and um I I really valued uh that squad and him to kind of help me find the love for track and field again. But then obviously I, it just wasn't there anymore. And I, I still had a fire in my belly to make an Australian team. So then, yeah, I guess it's why I transitioned to Bob's place.
0: And it's turned out pretty well. So you should be proud. Yeah. Ed, uh, how did, how did you get into it, mate? Back in the day? Uh, back in South Africa. <laughs> i wish i was too no. slow no okay slow.
1: <laughs>
3: nah, I, came, I came down one day um and i got the vice group of tommy and he said you're not leaving mate and <laughs> i didn't leave <laughs> he locked me down i actually just came down just to meet him and i didn't even intend in training and i like i was in tracksuit pants and i didn't have any gear with me and he just said jump straight in mate there you jump in with the boys yeah right. and yeah loved it straight away hey eh? I, I took a while i was a bit shy to kind of i mean we had we had big guys on the team i mean yeah. dave mcneil was there um yeah. this was back when adam Cozo was there yourself yeah. dibba i mean we had a good group you know and i yeah. mean i didn't really fit yeah. in I, I was pretty pretty poor at the time and so I guess that was what I loved. And I saw you guys flying around and I thought I'd better work hard to kind of bridge the gap. And I guess that team environment was what kind of just kept me coming back for more. So, yeah, I, I can just put it down to Tommy's um, his personality and his character that kind of yeah. made you want more. And the group kind of responded to that, you know, and you were always wanting to come down and and test yourself and show him
0: uh, what you were made of. So yeah, that's what just, that's what got me hooked, you know? And you, you, you might've been, um, I mean, you did school athletics and you were pretty handy. I mean, you, you, you're naturally gifted, but I think you just probably lacked that, um, that training, but you're duck to water, I think. And you definitely came into it. And uh, for many years, um, you're an elite, athlete for the for the club and um you know a couple of pbs 148 52 in the 800 341 17 in the 1500 you've got a 405 mile as well so you know um and some of those times have been in recent years but i think you know i think for a while there you were trying to break that 150 barrier at the club but i think your persistence it's paid off in the end
3: I think similar to Brie, where she was saying she kind of wanted to break that 60 minute barrier. There's always a barrier. Yeah. I mean, you, br- you break yeah. one and it's like, oh, there's another one I can break, you know? And you, you, that's what kind of keeps, <laughs> keeps you... I mean, you break 60 and you think, oh, all right, next time I'm going to try and do something else. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what kind of gets you hooked into athletics. Uh, for years, I spent time trying to break that 150 barrier um, and it, it killed me. Yeah? There's yeah. times where you're just like, I think I ran 150. I can't tell you how many times, you know? And, yeah. Um, Eventually got it, which was such a relief. Um, and then I think once you break it, you can break it a few more times after that. So, And then that's what happened with the, the 15. I kind of went up to that distance and thought, let's give it a crack. I think our, our PBs were probably 410, I think, if, from memory, <laughs> when I first started doing it. And then... Yeah, it just it was nice to just chip away at the time and uh I mean I look back and I kind of wish I broke the 4 minute mile. I mean I did 1 mile properly and that was 405 and I reckon I was in good enough nick to break the 4 minute up but you know you just got to move on and go yeah I'm I'm happy with what I did yeah. and um there's new challenges ahead of us so eh?
1: Yeah, on that, do you guys were talking about Tommy and his effect on you? Do you guys have any best memories of the club and sort of best sessions or favourite sessions that you guys did back when you were at the club? Uh, it's a, it's a good question, man. I think I can look back and just just the
3: <laughs> just just the Tuesday was like my favourite day because that was like <laughs> yeah. the day that we just go and 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 train together. So I don't really have a best session. I think just every session with the guys was was such a privilege and and. I think every session Tommy came up with you always had to think about it, how you were going to approach it. It was always, I mean, he had his staples, which were great. Yeah. Um, we were talking earlier about his Sebco and our stations and, um, there was a few others there that were a staple, but he'd every now and again, he'd throw a curveball. I mean, yeah. four, four, four hundreds flat out, you know, have, <laughs> have, have, have five minutes recovery, but you're going to be dead. You know, he's picking yeah. us up off the ground. Um, <laughs> so yeah I can't say there was a there was a favorite session that I kind of look back on but I think it was just the fact of every Tuesday oh I mean every day we kind of trained together but yeah. every Tuesday was the track day and we kind of worked well together and and I, I, I we started doing hills on the Saturday as well which became a bit of a staple which was awesome and yeah um I guess I was privileged enough to to travel away with Tommy um over to yeah. Europe and we had some awesome memories and some things I'll, I'll cherish for life you know and I, I'm probably going to take nice one here but i think him jumping out of an airplane was probably yeah. the biggest highlight you know yeah. spending, spending like two weeks telling him stop being silly i'm not taking it to jump out of a plane and fully i mean i think we yeah. emailed the, the organizer and said mate there's going to be a guy coming up he's going to lie about everything yeah. Don't yeah. Listen to him. he's had a heart attack he's had a he's got accident he's had this, yeah. that don't listen to him and still, he jumped, and yeah, awesome memories, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> he
0: he was he was what if they were going to say no, he was going to sneak onto the plane. He was just he he knew we were doing it, and he just loved to, to be a part of it. And I couldn't believe it; like yeah. he was 80, 82, I think, at the time. Eddie, yeah, he jumped yeah, out of the plane. yeah,
1: yeah. Which and, was which so um, was
3: credit to him, you know. And I think that's what kind of um, rubbed off on us, just yeah. just that sort of mentality. You know, he wasn't there to just to be part of it you know he wanted he sorry he wasn't there just to watch it he wanted to be part yeah. of it and that's exactly yeah. what we loved about him as a coach you know he was there at every meet and he really was a part of your journey you know he was really a part of your life so and i guess that's something you still use today. like i go to races and i still think oh like this is what tommy would want from, from us you know he, he'd yeah. he be pretty annoyed if if i dnf'd here or made an excuse there or missed a training session there so yeah i, I still think about him
0: yeah, for sure. He's yeah, held yeah. us in, he's held us in good stead, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And No, I mean, for me, I one of my favourite sessions uh, that was stuck in my mind forever, uh, it was one with you boys. And uh, I, I think, it, surely it must have been one of the first sessions I'd ran with the boys. And uh, like Ed said before, there was a big pack of guys and... Um, always running around and uh, we actually had a, quite a big pack of girls at one stage but that started to kind of disintegrate as everyone headed into year 12 and, and everything like that but um, so there was one night where there wasn't many girls and it was just maybe it was me and somebody else and then there was all the boys so Tommy was like go on Brie jump in with the boys and this session I have I can't recall the session but I just remember... That's not a good sign,
3: bro. No. <laughs> it was that hard. I, I,
2: <laughs> I, I can't recall what we actually did, but I remember every single time I crossed the line, I was like hands, hands and knees on the ground. And then I just had Finchie, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago, yeah. Finchy grabbing me up from the scruff of the neck, <laughs> dragging me over. And I, I just was like, guys, I can't do it. And they were just like, come on, get going, get going. You got this, Breezy, let's go. And uh, um, and I'd get to the line and I'd just look at Tommy and I'd give like these big puppy dog eyes. And I just so was hoping him to be like, ah, lassie, it's okay. You can sit this one out. No and chance. Then not, no. Not, not a chance. And he would just count down and off we'd go again. Yep. And I remember there was one of the last reps that I saw black. It was complete black and I was just like you're gonna pass out here and then he counted down and all of a sudden boom we're all off again and I was and that taught me that the body can do so much more than the mind thinks it can and that that session really like I hold dear to me because that's like where the grind is at and if you are able to push past your mental limits then you are capable of so much more than what you physically think you are um and I love that I love those sessions and then any chance that I got to run with the boys I'd always run with the boys I remember there was a wicked uh 150 session with um Conrad and and Wes that um I did and I've never run but you just hang, you just hang on with the boys, and yeah, um, yeah they they were the best. I, I love them, and any chance that I that Tom said Bree, you're up with the boys, like, yeah, hell yeah, let's go. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was always very good fun, and he 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 was always there though at the end. Like you'd be dying, but he would be always there to give you a hug at the end, like one of those squish hugs. Like he gives these hugs that like take the breath out of you. And you, and you already and have his no breaks anymore. Like
0: he'd break your hands.
2: Uh, yep, yep, yep. Those those ones, yeah, <laughs> you'd be standing there after massaging your hands for like <laughs> the next five minutes. But yeah, you know, you give a uh, anything to have one of those handshakes again, I guess. So mm. yeah, he does. Like Ed said, he um he always is on your mind in sessions and in races. And he had one line that he uh, always told me: "Run your own race." and there was a few races. I remember there was one race that I tried to hang on with Thames and Lewis in a 400, and that was a mistake. <laughs> um, but I um, and and ever since then, he said, "Brie, you just have to run your own race." And I think that's something that I don't even just take into um, into races. I take that into life. Like you just have to do what's right for you. Um, and yeah, I guess like he says, run your own race.
1: Uh, well said. Nice, nice. So moving forward, what have you guys got as your your next goals that you want to be hitting? Is it an Olympics for you, coming up next year or what have you got going?
2: Yeah, definitely the Olympics in 2022. Um, We're heading, we're preparing for that over the next two years. So like I said, there's a few big changes happening and that's, in preparation for 2022 so looking to represent australia in the two men and monobob event and i guess i'm not putting a number on it i don't want to think about the outcome i just want to think about the process but i am aiming to be competitive at those games which um yeah i guess i never thought i would be able to say that definitely i don't think in track and field i could but it's exciting that um, and it gives, yeah, kind of gives me a real big fire in my belly that I can actually go ahead and compete with the best and see where we're at. Nice.
1: And Eddie, what about yourself?
3: I, I'm going to say Olympics just to wind up some of the guys I train with. Um, <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wish I could say Olympics, but um, I think that's past me now. I think that's, that's, that's a young guy's game. And, um, yeah, for me, it's probably the long course events. Um, I'd love to try and qualify for the world champs Um, not quite Kona yet um, but definitely for the half Ironman distances I'd love to uh, try and represent Australia at the world champs and yeah I think for me as well it's just about having fun so I'm just gonna try and take it as far as I can and race the best as the best that I can race the best people that I can you know that that's all I'm interested in and Mm. um, yeah um, same, similar to Bree, the pro it's all about the process, and that all that stuff all comes along the way. So I'm just chipping away, doing the right things, and hopefully the bigger aces come. So
1: yeah, nice.
0: Well, you yeah, you're doing uh, you're doing yourselves proud and and the club proud too. You know, you're always always part of DAC, and um, we'll have to get you back next year. We're we're getting the fiftieth together, so it's going to be about this time next year. So it'd be great to get you both back and into that if you can. Man,
3: time flies, eh? I think we remember I remember the yeah. was it the fortieth? I remember
0: the
2: fortieth.
3: Yeah, fortieth I right. was there.
0: Yeah. Far out.
2: That was that was a wild night. Mm. <laughs> that was good fun. With... They're always good fun those <laughs> nights.
0: So we'll um, we'll try and get you um, back for that next year. But I appreciate you both coming on. I think um, it was a great um, podcast to hear where you're up to now and we're definitely following um, along with your journey. So we we wish you all the best and um, and we'll touch both sooner.
3: Thanks so much, sure. mate. I really good appreciate good it. You guys, you guys are doing a, doing an awesome job here. Good on you, Ed.
2: Yeah, Thanks, definitely. It's, it's, Thank you. No, it's, it's a really good thing. I, I love it that I'm, I, I, I think I'm going to be a Doncaster athlete for the rest of my life, no matter what, what where I am, what I'm doing. So, yeah, it's great to hear, keep up to date with the club, how it's going, and hear from some of the past athletes. It's been great to hear how the club has evolved over the last few years. So, good yeah, job.
0: Good. good on you. Awesome. thanks guys time. stay safe yeah
2: yeah you too
0: thanks mate good on you